guys, welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Mindset Podcast, where we believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need just two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. I'm your host, Maria Bentz, and I am the founder of MBM Agency, a digital marketing company who helps service-based businesses grow their revenue using online strategies. And I am here to share with you all of my tips and pointers every single week when it comes to digital marketing and business growth. Today's episode is sponsored by our premium Wix templates. If you're totally stumped on how to build your own website, but can't afford to hire a designer, that does not mean that you should skip out on the important things in the process like professional design, sales formula copywriting, and search engine optimization. Our premium Wix website templates are created with marketing and sales in mind. And the best part is you can have a professional looking and functional website in just under 24 hours. Our website templates are completely stress-free. They're easy to use, so that means no Photoshop or coding required. They are designed to convert based on our signature homepage formula, and they are ready to launch as soon as you are done designing. So if you want to check this out, get it at mbmagency.com forward slash shop and use the discount code mindset to get 30% off. Hi guys, today I have Marty McDonald with me today. He is the co-founder and CEO at Bad Rhino Incorporated, which is a full service social media marketing agency best in based in Westchester, PA. Since 2002, Marty has consulted with small businesses and startups to help them succeed online. So welcome to the show, Marty. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Oh, I'm super excited as well. It's always nice to meet somebody new and always talk about these fun subjects no matter what time of the year it is. Yes, yes. I love learning about people's entrepreneurship journey. So I wanted to ask you today if you can take me along your journey. How did you get started and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. I think it's one of those funny things you 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 know, go to school and you do everything. And that was me, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like plodding along, but nothing ever really fit. You know, I was like in high school, I didn't have a bad time. But I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. I think it's business related. I'm not really sure. Got to college and, you know, I was not the best student. Um, I was lucky enough that my parents put me through a private high school that did give me like a very strong framework. I got to college and college was, I don't want to say it was simple. It was just that some of the stuff I had already known, I had already learned math, biology, physics. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why am I doing this again? You know, like this is just boring. And I was lucky enough <clears throat> during that time in college, I had an advisor when I was talking to him, Dr. Winter, who just kind of got me. Yeah, you know, and it was like, I was sitting there going, you know, I don't understand this. I wasn't doing well because I was bored. You know, mm-hmm. I was partying too, but it really when you, know, you look back on it, I was bored Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't anything that was challenging. And he's like, look, you do really good in your business classes. You know, I was almost an A student in in the majority of my business classes. And he's like, you really looks like you you do well in management and things like that. He's like, what do you like to do? And I'm like, honestly, I, I like to work, you know, and he hooked me up. It was very nice and got me hooked up with a couple of people that got me my first internship. And I wound up doing four internships when I was in college. And, and those things were great because I literally followed the D is for diploma. Mm-hmm. 
for everything else, did well enough in my business classes and barely graduated. Got out, got my first job and I was like, oh man, this is even, you know, not so cool. <laughs> like, like working for like somebody that, else? Well, the nine to five type of grind yeah, was just yeah. like, ah, oh, you know, and you trade that for the entrepreneur type of grind, which is like 24 seven, but that's a different story. Um, and I was just sitting there and I was lucky enough to have first two really good jobs out of school and, but it just didn't fit. And along came a gentleman who was starting a company. Um, I didn't know how early it was. They were say they were about a year in, but it was really probably more closer to like six months of real business and got in there and lo and behold, I was like, this is the type of environment I want to be in. It was like scrappy. They were like, you know, trying to fight for everything, uh, so to speak. And you didn't want to let any opportunity go by. And then 9-11 hit. And then we had a mini recession. And it was like interesting learning and a weird experience that time. But right then and there, my entrepreneurial kind of light went on, like, I need to have my own business. And from mm -hmm. then on there, I started dabbling in marketing in 2002, became a um, an interesting little thing where I was working with a lot of small business owners and doing affiliate marketing on the side. I learned all the basics of SEO and web development, anything that really encompasses what is now called digital marketing and eventually became my agency in 2010. And here we are in 2020. Awesome. Wow. I love that. So were you always kind of into marketing from the beginning or did you dabble in various types of business? No, I did dabble in a lot of things. The main one was marketing. And really the reason is, is like I always loved marketing and sales. I didn't know it mm -hmm. at the time, but I mean, all business just relates to sales. Like if you're not putting your product out there, if you're not getting eyeballs on everything, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. So it all comes down to how you position yourself and then provide that service or product and then how you ultimately, you know, get that sale. So the marketing piece came to me when I was working as a headhunter and I was using marketing to attract candidates and also other opportunities to place those candidates. And I realized, wow, I'm like, this marketing thing is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then I started studying more and more of it. And then I got into affiliate marketing and then started doing, you know, like I said, everything digital marketing and it was a hobby and then eventually became bad rhino. Mm hmm. I love it. So you started kind of going into it, you said, since 2002, so a year after 9-11. Um, and was that hard during that time to get a business started? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, it was interesting because everybody's mindset changes, right? Yeah. And when you have something like that nuts go on, it's like, okay, what, what are we supposed to do? Right. Mm -hmm. So what came out of it was about, it was roughly about a year later. Um, it was very, it was actually very late 2002. It was November. I was okay. in our end of October, November. And um, I wound up going to like a, a networking meeting and it was just trying to build more and more relationships as a recruiter. And mm -hmm. the people in that room were lawyers and accountants, like um, self-employed professionals. And they were all older than me, way older than me at the time. And some of them have since passed away. But um, what they were trying to do is like, they were like, okay, I need to move this business either to my son or daughter, or I need to move this business to be able to be sold. And mm -hmm. I got to remember the time frame. This is 2002. So like a lot of them had very simple websites, very simple basic. Some of them didn't have anything. And they were looking to modernize them at that time, which mm -hmm. when you talk about it now, it seems silly. But I mean, it was a basic website. It was a, um, you know, like a, a simple email responder, um, some very simple things that you would think of now. 
but they were trying to get those things in place so they would be more marketable because they wanted to get out. They were like, okay, I want my family. So basically what I'm saying is like their attitudes and their ideas had changed coming out of something like 9-11. They were like preparing more for the future. Mm. And I basically, it was funny because I wasn't thinking about it, but I blurted it out. And I'm like, I can help you with the website. And the next thing you know, I, I did one for, uh, it was a one lawyer and one accounting website. I did them all myself. I taught myself everything, got them out the door. They worked. And the next thing you know, I had um, 12 more people right behind them. Wow. So, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I was like, okay, I have like a mini side business, like just like that. So it was interesting just putting it out there. And that's how it just came about because people were thinking differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So I love how you kind of talk like that big, a big thing happened, but people's mindset shifted. So they now are focusing on totally different things or they saw different things that they needed. And I love how you saw that need in the market and then started it. And 2002, I'm sure you probably, there was probably not really many <laughs> website builders. Did you have to like learn all coding? I had to do it all from scratch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crazy. I mean, I learned HTML. I learned all like stuff that I've even forgotten. Right. Yeah. And then even the ones that had a framework on there, you're tweaking them. Right. So you had like everything in there. So I taught myself how to do the first two and I had a framework mm -hmm. and then um, I outsourced the rest to an actual nice. developer. But the thing was, it wasn't so much that I had to do it myself. I probably, if I had to do it over again, I would have um, brought somebody on to do all that and I would just kept selling. Mm -hmm. But there's also like that credibility thing. Um, now I'm not saying like if you're scared about going out there, if you're sitting there thinking I'm going to start a business, you know, it's not necessarily fake until you make it, but you do need to know some things. Like yeah. you can't just say, put a shingle up and say, I'm going to do all of your Google AdWords or SEO or Facebook advertising and not know because the interesting part about that is more people are educated about it now. Back then too, like those guys and girls didn't care. They were like, we just need to get it done. So mm -hmm. I was like, and they trusted me. So that was number one. So I taught myself and then I outsourced it and it did work out, you know, very well, but at least I could talk the talk with the developers and then talk the talk with, you know, the business owners. And that's been, that paid off dividends, you know, even what, 18 years later now wow. is when you're in the sales and you're leading an agency, um, I don't do the work as much anymore. Yeah. But I like to stay current because you do need to talk to people about that and help them understand. Mm-hmm. This is true. Um, so my podcast is called the Marketing Mindset Podcast, as you know, but it is, I named it that because I truly believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need two things. First, the right marketing strategies and then the right mindset. So did you have any mindset struggles when you started growing your business and then how did you overcome it? Still do. Um, yeah. <laughs> anybody, that, any, anybody that says like, oh, I solved the mindset thing, then they just stopped growing. Um, that's true. And that's, yeah. I, I think that's the truth. Um, I wasn't huge into mindset um, until about three or four years later, around 2006. And I started dabbling in real estate and doing some other stuff. And certain things were happening. You know, um, my mom had just passed away. I had, you know, some other issues kind of going on just with work and trying to find out where things were. And, you know, it's like you start studying yourself and you get better at it and you start learning things about yourself and stuff, you know, that might need to be removed from your personality or removed mm -hmm. from your brain. And then also you start to figure out how you're wired a little bit more. So when you do spend time on it, what I find is 
you know, you start to grow. And most people, not everybody, but most people, when they start to grow, they then become scared, right? Because you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to make changes and make decisions to do certain things. And sometimes those decisions are painful and sometimes there's things that you don't want to do, but in order to grow, you need to do them. And, you know, it's a constant, I don't want to call it a battle. Um, I don't, I want to call it a struggle, but it's a constant growth thing. I think once you stop growing, that's kind of like where you stop, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you just drop dead. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. You, you stop um, looking at things different. So I've always been somebody that's questioning things and doing things. And I think that all relates to mindset. And I didn't get into it really, like I said, until around 2006. But I also realized like if I just relied on past knowledge or just reading books about the technical aspects and never really looked at the, the why, so to speak, um, you know, you start to lose that battle. And I, I really got into it. I mean, I have tons of books on my bookshelf behind me um, that I actually read. I listened to a lot of podcasts on mindset. I tried to listen to about a minimum of one per week just on mindset yeah. and try to read a handful of pages almost every day um, just to kind of give you, you know, a little bit of thought because you can get lost in those thoughts. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes that's a bad space to be. Yeah. What's your favorite mindset book? You know, this is the million dollar question that you always get. And I have to go back. I I go back to one um, almost almost nonstop. And it's really Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And I go back to that, um, you know, I go back to that for one reason. There's like the fundamentals of a lot of other stuff that are in there. You know, Mm -hmm. I've listened to every you know just about everybody's seen a lot of people speak from stage yeah and i think you just have to find something that you can resonate with and the thing about like think and grow rich is there's a point in the book i don't want to spoil it because i think if somebody picks it up and they start reading it there's a point in the book where you like it literally asks you you have to look at yourself in the mirror mirror and you Mm -hmm. have to do this and it's hilarious in a way. I used to do um, little mastermind meetings locally for Think and Grow Rich. And what you would find is when you got to that point, the group would stop showing up. Wow. <laughs> and I think the fascinating part was I knew when it would come. And I, I did like four or five, probably at least five um, uh, versions of like that mastermind. And I could never get many people to come past that. And wow. I, I quickly learned after like the fourth time I was like, I'm going to do this one or two more times. And if nobody else shows up, I I definitely know it's that chapter. And it really is, is the one that challenges you the most. I go back to that book all the time, but then there's a host of others. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and and like Tony Robbins. And Mm -hmm. there's so many different things that you can do. You just need to find the one that resonates with you a little bit. Mm -hmm. But also my one suggestion is you know, once you do find something, don't be afraid to listen to other people because it is make a huge difference in your mindset every day. Yeah, I agree. I think Think and Grow Rich was the second mindset book I read. The very first one, I just stumbled upon it. Wasn't even trying to go into like deep, deep self-development, but my first mindset book was um, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Okay. And I... You haven't? It's good. It's very like fun and I don't know she you know she starts off like very fun telling stories and then she just like gets you deep halfway through and I was like oh my gosh I didn't realize this was a thing you know and then once you start realizing this is a thing you're like oh my gosh I figured out like the secret to life and then I started kind of going 
um, you know, reading Thinking or Rich, I think that is such a, just a classic, I think, in that um, kind of genre. But I don't know about you, but I guess and I, I want to ask you, like, once you kind of figured out the mindset piece, have you seen a difference in your business and the growth of your business? Like, do you think that mindset is key to growing a business? I think it's almost everything. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can agree. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, because it beats you up, um, you know, nonstop. I think in the entrepreneur community, it's not talked about enough, even though that's, you know, a big business as well, you know, mindset development, the books, the, you know, all the, the content that's out there. But I do think it's everything. Like, I, I think it's not talked enough about with entrepreneurs to make sure your head fixed every once in a while, because there's a lot of pressure, you know, even mm-hmm. in a small business, people don't understand that never done it. They're like, Oh, that must be great. You have your time freedom. You have, um, you know, a good solid business, but they don't see a lot of the under things, you know, yeah. Oh, it's like you got an employee issue or you have, um, something like a 9-11 or a crazy thing like 2008, 2009, when the market drops out, you have to have a strong mindset because you have to change on a dime sometimes. And there, there are things that never really impacted you directly. It's not like you went out and said, well, you know, screw our clients. We don't want to do all this work correctly. And they fire you. Well, that's easy to kind of pinpoint and go, well, you messed up. Yeah. Um, but as an entrepreneur, things, you know, that are out of your control become something that you have to deal with. And not many people are prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes, you know, a person that is studying their own mind and doing mindset development to be able to go, okay, take a deep breath, go outside, spend a couple of days, maybe thinking about it. If you have the time, Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes you you have 15, 20 minutes to make decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes those things that come out that are out of your control, your mindset's the one thing that's going to guide you through that. It's not going to be your MBA. It's not going to be your best business practices or systems because when certain things change that are out of your control, market changes, you know, uh, industry changes, whatever, things start to crop up that you have to deal with that you never thought you'd ever deal with before and your mindset's going to really save you. So it's important to do that development work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that is such a big reason of why I named this podcast The Marketing Mindset is because like when I like got into it, I did my mindset work that first year and I was like, I'm set, I'm good to go, you know, and then you get like into new levels of business and I'm like, oh shoot, like you, you have these thoughts kind of creeping in. And, um, I, I completely agree with that. It's such a huge driving force, I think for business and successful entrepreneurs, but I feel like it could definitely be overlooked sometimes. Um, can I just add one quick thing for the next bar here? Um, I think, <clears throat> the one thing is mastermind groups mm-hmm. um, are key. And, you know, like I go in person ones a lot, you know, smaller groups. And I, I've done a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody listening to this, that if you're, you're in a business or you're going to start a business, get involved in some of those things where you can have interaction. You know, a couple of them that I'm in are, are virtual. And then we try and get together once or twice a year. Um, and some of them are just simple you know, paid programs that I'm in for marketing, uh, as well as um, just business in general. And you just get different perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes studying mindset is like, 
a challenge, you know, as you know, you know, and we've already talked about. And sometimes when you just get around some people talking about issues that they're dealing with can be equally as powerful that you go, oh, you know what? I have that same issue. And then you have a phone call with that person and you can just hash it out real quick. And that's part of mindset development is just, Mm -hmm. you know, developing that mastermind concept to a degree, even though it's not a quote unquote formal thing where you can just bounce ideas off people that can help you. Yeah. And that, that is such a great point. Cause sometimes if you're stuck in your own head, it can be a little bit hard to kind of move on from something and having other people, you know, <laughs> reflect in a different way that that is important. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I hear that you're an expert at starting businesses from scratch <laughs> and I know, I don't know if I'm an expert. I, know a lot, I have a lot of uh, failures behind me too. Okay. Um, so you've had you your know, experience. <laughs> Yes, I, I have my experience. I think, um, you know, I, I've i been like, um, like, I think it's because my head, actually, I, I don't think because, I know it's because my headhunting career had a lot of people go through shifts, especially in 2008 and 2009, mm-hmm. where they were like, all right, I'm never working for somebody again. I don't want to get yeah. laid off again, you know, yeah. and the time frame around 2008 and 2009 and even 2010, uh, the challenges that were there um, a lot of people had just been laid off back in like the dot com bubble back in mm-hmm. 2002 and 2001, um, depending on how you frame it. But um, the interesting part about like having that is like I have so I've had and I still do so many people come to me and they just want to hash out an idea. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the mastermind type concept, but they're like, you know, you've been there, done that. And mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, I have the scars to show for it. A lot yeah. of them <laughs> financially, physically, emotionally sometimes, <laughs> oh, you know, you know, and it's like, there's certain things that are scary and it's like, you know, you have somebody come to me and say, look, I have like zero cash. Mm-hmm. I have this idea, you know, I'm barely kind of making by, but I, I, I know I want to get this off the ground for whatever reason they got laid off, their industry's closing, something, you know, something weird's going on. Yeah. And it's really just formulating it into a plan that you can execute. And then it's just like, okay, well now you have the starting blocks and then everybody asks, well, what do I do next? I'm like mm-hmm. you have to get a client or you have to sell something. Yeah. And yeah. once you do that part, then you're going to repeat that, but then you're going to have new challenges. Just like you said before, it's like you get to another level and there's a whole new set of challenges. Yeah. And a lot of people um, have come to me, both friends and like former colleagues and um, other people just to kind of put new plans together. And it's something Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing. I do it a lot. Um, I've spent a lot of time doing it and I don't know if I would label myself as an expert, but uh, it's always nice when other people call me that too. So yeah. So if someone comes to you like a friend and is like, hey, I have this idea, I'm trying to think of an example, um, maybe, you know, I want to start like a podcast management company. That was the first thing that came to mind. Um, what would you recommend to do? Like, what are the first things that they really need to focus on? Sure. So the first thing, the first couple things are, all right, so what do you need? You know, let's just lay some things out. Like if you were going like just using that type of example, you know, I'm going to start a, you know, a podcast management company, mm-hmm. you know, who else is out there? You know, mm-hmm. if someone came to me and said, I want to start an airline, I'd be like, all right, well, so you need planes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, so I, you just kind of think of it that way. So what are your planes in starting a podcast management company? Like, what do you need? Like, what are the basics that you need? And mm-hmm. then start there, just be like, all right. So then now, you know, just initial cost. 
Mm-hmm. So now what cert- certain things can you do without, you know, so you get a handful of clients or one or two clients where you can start to pay to have the other planes using that mm-hmm. analogy that you need. And then just start there because, you know, when we started Bad Rhino, going back to that, my business partner, Rich was like, well, what do we need? And I was like, well, first thing we need is what are we going to offer? Right. Mm -hmm, So then mm -hmm. going back to that, it's like, okay, so you're doing your podcast management company. What are you offering to somebody? And the, uh, the key is in that offer, like I'm going to take your, the management of your podcast and everything else that goes about it. I'm going to take care of the production or Mm -hmm. you're not going to take care of the production. Are you going to outsource the production? Mm -hmm. Are you an audio engineer? Do you know how things go? So then you walk them through like each piece and say, okay, so you need somebody that can do audio. Now Mm -hmm. who's going to do like the voiceover for the intro or outro? Like, how are you going to set that up? Then how are you going to upload it to all these places? Are you going to manage guests? Are you only looking to work for podcasters that are doing things in a certain industry and then start to just frame it out. Mm-hmm. But it always starts with just the, the costs yeah. because I think it's not so much you could do that. We're lucky we live in a time that you can do a lot of things at a very low cost. I don't think people appreciate that as much. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like a lot of these things cost much more. And like when you look at it now, you could, you could start with like a simple website like Wix or Squarespace and mm-hmm. get started, but you need to plan then, okay, so once the first growth piece hits, do you still want to be on that platform and start to look? So many people have the idea, right? So that's mm-hmm. where you start. The second part is starting with the cost and the systems and what you're going to offer. And then finally, when you go in there, it's like, okay, it's a year later. Now, where are you? And that's where mm. the struggle comes in is because you're trying to visualize a little bit down the road. I'm yeah. really good at that. Um, that's like my key is like looking further down the road because you need to then go, okay, this is their first mile marker, say year mm-hmm. one. Now let's back it up. Now you start to put together a sales schedule. Like if you want to okay. be a $100,000 type business um, and then you have this, this, and this for costs, now you're making X mm-hmm. plus you have this. Now let's start to put an actual business plan around that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it to work work backwards almost in a, in a sense, right? Yeah, you have to start with the basics and you have like a mini foundation mm-hmm. and fast forward that to one year and then back it up. I love it. I mean, that, that's that's a great way to look at it. Have you ever had people who are starting new businesses and they're very nervous that they don't have the social proof yet? Oh, absolutely. I mean... I even go, I just go back to my own experience. You know, I was, um, I'll never forget. I was like 20, 26 years old and I'm going to place like, um, it was like either a CIO. I don't even think that title really existed then. It was like a a C level position. And here I am negotiating and talking with this person. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to close it. He's never going to believe me. He's not going to be able to do this. I'm I'm not going to be able to do this. And it's just because I never did it before. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when you start a company and you don't have the quote unquote social proof, what you need to really rely on is your word. Mm -hmm. So if you say you're going to do something, say you're going to do it, right? So that's number one. Number two, the results, some in certain things like marketing, you can't guarantee. Yeah. So like, I, you know, like a lot of my friends that are agency owners, they're like, start an agency. It's easy, you know, and people think like, oh, it is. And some of the work 
isn't necessarily very hard. The analytic piece and getting results, that's where the whole thing is. So mm-hmm. when somebody's worried about social proof is you talk to them how you're going to take care of them, how you're going to answer their questions. You're going to spend time with your first few clients more so than you're ever going to spend with your clients down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to over deliver, right? So mm-hmm. you need to be 100% on, but don't fear the social proof. Everybody starts that way. Like okay. I, I get it like why you'd be scared, but guess what? In 10 years, um, we had a client, uh, just, uh, back in January, we were sitting around and she, and she just said to me, she's like, you know, you guys are on the chopping block. They've been with us for six years and they pay very well. And I was, I just turned to her and I said, we're on the chopping block every month with everybody. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I don't understand like why you would say that. I get you're under pressure to cut costs. Yeah. But yeah. I, that doesn't really like now a year into my business with being bad rhino, we probably would have been like, okay, what do we need to do? And that's okay. Mm-hmm, like, what do mm-hmm. we need to do to shore this up? What do we do to do to allay any fears? We don't want to lose this client. That's how you have to act then. When you have the proof, you actually realize that like, wow, I never needed the social proof. I just go do. Mm. And once you do it, you're like, wow, that was, I won't say it's going to be easy. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. say it was easier in your head than you ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What about like, what, do, what is your opinion on sometimes I hear this advice from people, well, not necessarily I agree with it, but like, what's your opinion on people saying, oh, your first few projects, just do it for free or do it super low cost, get that testimonial, no. then uplift. No, no, don't ever do it. I like it. I like um, it. <laughs> I'll just tell you flat out, if you do that once, you're screwed. I was, I, you don't value yourself enough Ooh. now. And it goes I'm back to that saying, mindset piece. I feel like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just going to fly. I, I saw an email, um, not too long ago about this and it was like, Oh, we'll partner up with a graduating senior and, you know, have free marketing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and I'm actually going to do a video this afternoon about it and talk about it, but, um, don't do that. Like you can discount it, right? Say so go, I, I work with this a lot whenever somebody's starting with business. And I have to work on it myself too, because I'll see an industry or a client that I've always wanted and they'll be like, well, this is what we have budget wise. And I'm like, when I first started, I've been like, okay, I can make that work. Mm-hmm. Never free though. But mm-hmm. then there's always that thing where like, well, we could actually go lower than that. Maybe that'll make them happier. It's never going to make them happier. The only thing that's going to make them happier is the result. Mm. So if somebody says I'll offer it for free, don't. Now, I will say there's one caveat to that is in okay. web design. Okay. So like, but here's how you get over it create your own sites that you use. So like for me, one of the things to scratch that itch for Bad Rhino, I wanted to break into golf and beer um, back, well now it's almost six and a half years ago. So Mm -hmm. what I did was create my own brands for Bad Rhino in the golf niche Mm -hmm. and the beer niche. And we grew those so that if somebody said, well, why would I hire you when you don't have any craft beer experience or you don't have any golf experience? And I would say, well, here you go here's my experiences. What we did was we did the same exact thing we would do for a client and we replicated it on our own properties that we own. And that's the best way to do it because if you do free work for clients, 
just to get started, they'll never, it'll never take off. I'm just going to let you know, and your mindset's in a bad spot. But if you do free work for yourself and create content and create the ideas that you can then sell to that client or potential client, you not only gave yourself an asset, Mm-hmm. potentially sell off but then you also created it for yourself not for somebody else and you're going to know the value of it because you understand the work so you're never going to have a problem going out and selling that for whatever dollar amount you need to charge wow that is such great advice <laughs> <laughs> like if yeah you want an industry kind of created it that way and then you have this whole portfolio like right exactly that is good and, and I don't recommend that for doctors yeah. <laughs> or lawyers or, or things like that. But, you know, the last thing I'll say there is when you say free people, mm-hmm. it triggers something, right? So like, let's just say your service, you figure your services for that project is, we'll make it easy, 10 grand, mm-hmm. but you really want it. It's like your first one and you know that you can make it. Maybe you break even with a little bit of profit mm-hmm. and you want to do it. So break it down the cost, but always leave a little padding in there. Mm-hmm. And then when you go and you do it, you just let them know that, right? Number one, number two, two, three, four years down the road in your business, what's going to happen is you're going to bid on something and you're going to lose it because it was too, you priced it too low. And once you realize that, then you start to see the value of what people are looking for. Um, and that's crazy. You know, after dealing with, you know, hundreds of clients over the years, that's what you see is like, they're looking for the value. So if you don't present any value and free is not value, free Mm -hmm. is free. Mm -hmm. um, What happens is they lose that in their eyes about you. And then you've lost a potential opportunity because they look at it, go, well, well, we know we got to pay for it, but you know, Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. What would you say would be kind of your best advice for agencies to get clients? Like, especially, I guess, let's say like in the beginning, right? If someone is just starting out and then maybe if a year later, they've already kind of got their business going. So at the beginning, uh, most people don't like this answer, but it's the truth. Um, You got to pick up the phone. Um, You have to create, you have to create, relationship somehow now some people Mm -hmm. are like well I don't want to go out every night I don't want to go to events I'm not saying that like you don't you don't have to go to all of them you should go to as many things as possible I would just tell you that like you should but also people want to work remotely they don't want to travel I get that you know it's wear and tear on your body as well as mentally but what you want to do is you want to be out and about so at the beginning is you want to get a list and I would put that list at anywhere between a hundred and a thousand and you want to start calling and knocking on doors. When we first started Bad Rhino, my business partner and I, it's mostly him at the very beginning. I was involved with a few other things as we started to morph into Bad Rhino. Mm-hmm. He knocked on every door. I mean, wow. I, he would, he would have like a report at the end of the day and be like, Hey, I talked to this person, this person, this person, this person. I think we have a potential opportunity here. And I'd be like, well, where were you today? He's like, I was just literally walking up the street of a small town. And he wow. was like, I was just walking in these places and starting up conversations. You have to do a ton of that in your first year. You have to create a ton of content. Um, if you run ads and you only do it on ads and there'll be a ton of people that listen to this and be like, what the heck is this guy talking about? If you just do ads where it is now 
you know, in 2020, when you have people that are familiar with LinkedIn, Facebook, Google ads, they start to scratch the surface. So if mm-hmm. they see your ad, they then go and say, okay, well, this is interesting. And they do research. Mm-hmm. And if you have nothing or little behind it, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But if you yeah. walk in someplace or if you call somebody and say, hey, my name is Marty McDonald. I have an agency called Bad Rhino. I see that you're advertising here and here. I'm wondering if you'd like to just spend 10 minutes. I can help you just you know, potentially show you a few other things that you could do. They are more apt for that little bit of help mm-hmm. than they are with just by seeing your ad. The ad will be a volume business. You still should do some of that. But if you start to create some connections and show that you know what you're talking about, because they get bombarded with stuff day in and day out, postcards, emails, mm-hmm. whatever, Go or yeah, GoDaddy and all these other things, like solve your digital marketing problems and your agency problems for $49 a month. Yeah. It's not going to work, people. And they all see it and they think it's BS. So then if you're actually a human and you act and you pick up the phone or you set up a Skype call or whatever it might be or Zoom, you can can start to establish rapport and that'll help you in your first year. Once you start moving out of that, it's not that you don't do some of that. What you start to do is market your case studies and your successes a little bit more specifically targeted to that industry. So if you're involved with restaurants or involved in like logistics companies or whatever, you start to take hey, this is what we did for this B2B business. This is what we did for this restaurant. This is what we did for this craft brewery. This is what we did for this, so on and so forth. Then you have something to stand on a little bit more and you can do more ads because people will look at that and say, this is what we need versus creating the report. But creating the relationships are going to get you far more than ever. Mm -hmm. And when times are good, you'll enjoy those relationships. When times are bad, you're going to love those relationships because people will ask you instead of just firing you, Mm -hmm. getting rid of you or cutting costs, they're going to talk to you about it, not just ditch you. Yeah. Yeah. This is important. I think, um, and I love how you mentioned this, like really focusing this on your first year. Cause I think a lot of people that I talk to, especially if they're starting newer businesses, they focus in so much on, you know, trying to get that quick, quick fix, quick client, which I totally understand. I was totally there too, but long-term is, it is important to build those relationships because those are going to last and show if, um, results like years and years ahead. Um, so what do you think surprises people the most when starting their businesses? I think that's a good question. And it's definitely going to be different for everybody, but based on my own experience, as well as working with so many others over the years, I think the biggest thing that is a surprise, like, oh, like, wow, that, I never expected that, is um, when you go through like your first growth cycle, like, mm-hmm. so it's like, all right, you know, we go from say just a hundred thousand dollars a year to 200 mm-hmm. and you start to see like some patterns in your business and you're like, huh, okay, that was easy. That was interesting. And then you're like, you start to go like another level. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, all right, well, this is kind of interesting. Like all we did was this, right? And that was the shift is like, all we did was this and like that whatever this is, right? It's different for every business is sometimes like almost the secret to your success, but sometimes you ignore it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and then you keep growing, let's say it's positive. And then you go, well, what's, what's continuing this, right? What's making it? And it's this, whatever this is for you, you'll see it. It could be your accounting system. It could be your product offering, could be anything. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and people go, oh, and then if it's going the other direction, say it's bad, it's the same, like, same thing. It's like, oh, well, we have to adjust the product offering or, oh, we're priced too high or, oh, mm-hmm. we're priced mm-hmm. too low. It's like these really weird things that pop up. And sometimes they pop up on the way up as you're growing. And sometimes they pop, pop up when you're uh, going through like a down cycle or changes in the market. Mm-hmm. And those are like those aha things like, oh, all right, now I understand why we were supposed to do that, you know, in year one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why we were supposed to go get a line of credit. Or, oh, that's why we should have negotiated with our landlord. Or, oh, that's why we should have hired a better accountant or somebody to do better financial planning. And Or, oh, that's why we do need to look at our business plan from time to time. And both negative and positive, right? Mm-hmm. And I think those are the biggest things is because you notice it's like one or two things, right? Yeah. It's just like... Yeah wow, I, I didn't really realize that. That's why they say that, you know, and it's, it's very, sometimes a very simple thing, sometimes a little bit more complex, but those things just pop up and they happen in a variety of ways. And it's hard to put your finger on it, which is why I'm kind of stumbling a little bit through this answer, but it's different for everybody, but it's usually one or two little things that you, you know, and you're like, that's why I should do that. Oh, okay. Like, Constantly would you say- learning. <laughs> like, like, would you say like they have an aha moment of maybe something that I've heard they should do, they should do, but they're yep. kind of like, oh, I don't really need to do that. I can kind of manage without it. Yep, one hundred percent. And there's, like, you know, you we've been talking about like how do you get your first clients and like some you know, how do you do this or worry about social proof? Then there's a whole other side, like what's your business entity? How do you have it set up? What's your tax structure? What are the payouts? What if somebody comes to buy you? What if your business partner wants to leave? What if all your clients left? What if you Mm -hmm. just got three clients? Do you want a hundred clients? Like there's a whole host of things that just crop up that you're just like, oh, this is why you're supposed to do this. Yeah. And I, and I'm guilty of it. Like, I'm not going to say, I will, I preach a good game sometimes and only in the last two years, uh, from our business standpoint, not that we, we did a version of it all the time, but we never really got deep and, and kept ourselves like really close. But, you know, we've gotten a lot of those systems in place and, and we've done planning meetings and things like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you look back, you're like, how do we get by without that? You know, yeah, and you take, yeah. you start to take it serious. What was that for you guys like in the beginning, the first few years? What was some of your <laughs> aha moments? Um, I One of them was when we started, so we were starting, it was like we're more of a digital agency now and it's all morphed the terms, but mm-hmm. still being a social media first agency. But when we first started, you know, Facebook didn't have an ad platform. Um they didn't have any paid versions, right? Oh, yeah. So we were offering a service where we had to kind of say, this is where we see it going, you know? Yeah. This is what we see. And then, you know, people laughed, you know, and we were trying to figure out like, well, where is this going to go? What's going to be new? What's going to be neat? And it was like where we could take a business page and they didn't even really have business pages. They had like a listing, but it wasn't even really truly a page. Then taking that to be like and making it work organically. Mm-hmm. And people were amazed that we could drive sales from it. And we were a little amazed too. Right? <laughs> um, but then like it grew and we grew with it. And like the first aha thing was, I'll never forget sitting there and it was like 2012. And I remember just going, oh man, 
I'm like, that was a giant leap. And then things started to click between 2012 and 2014. And then Mm -hmm. 2014, we kind of reinvent ourselves where we saw everything kind of coming together where social media became the internet and the internet became social media and started to see some of that yeah, those things yeah. come together and then we had to like reinvent ourselves a little bit and then the next aha was well how do we start tying all these things together and that was like oh my gosh mm-hmm. like we have to become like a digital cmo Mm, and that's mm-hmm. like where we see things going still. But at the same time, it was like, this is a massive change because you would get questions and I'd be like, yo, you're only paying us for this. Mm-hmm. And you want like a 15 hour type, you know, business type presentation. We're going to have to do that in like four or five sections just around your marketing. Yeah. Then you want this because more and more people became ingrained in it. And it became a bigger part of business. And I was like, oh, well, we got to change again. And I think that's a constant is change. Mm-hmm. So this is really random, but since you were around before Facebook had ads, how do you feel <laughs> about, you know, when Facebook pages, business pages had those organic reach where it was, I feel like a little bit more visible if you were doing it for free to now how the algorithm is now? It's a, yeah, that's a great question. And my answer might be different. Uh, next week versus the following <laughs> week and the following week and it was different six months ago it's one of those things where i will say this i think the one constant is if you have a really good community so i'll use craft beer just as an example because it's mm-hmm. something that when we do startups and then sometimes they don't have a ton of money for advertising is like, I'm always like, you got to grow the community. You have to grow the community, but you have to give them what they want. So you also have to create content. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, all right, so let's get that community going. So the organic side is like, all right, let's get that. We'll put a little bit of paid behind it just so that you can start. And then moving it into like more of as they grow, you kind of grow the page um, both organically and paid. Now with the algorithm, the way it works now, um, sometimes it feels like you need a PhD to understand the balance. So what we do is we go back to like, I hate to say like our roots, right? (laughs) And say, all right, this is your plan. Number one, really good content. And then as we start to see it take off organically, then we're going to create an ad off of that. So that if you're giving that community what they want and they interact with it organically, you know, whatever the numbers play out, and then you can play off the algorithm so you maximize the budget. In terms of what's better, um, well, if you could get sales all the time from just organic, I would say, hey, do it. It's almost impossible now. Mm. Um, You have to have a paid component because... Two, 10 years ago, if I was sitting here just in my town here and say there's 30 restaurants here, and there's probably pretty close to 30 or 40 here, mm-hmm. say there's 30, maybe six or seven of them were on Facebook. And maybe out of the six or seven of them, two or three were taking it seriously and they mm-hmm. were seeing results. Now, all 30 are on there. Yeah. And it's crowded. So, That's like, true. Yeah. if you're in a spot, is you know, you're just paying for that spot to be there. It's like Facebook, think of Facebook as, you know, or Instagram, think of it as you're driving down the highway. Mm-hmm. And if you want to reach those people, you're going to have to be on the billboard because that's yeah. what they're doing is they're just driving by. So you're going to have to do that, but you're also going to have to create something that catches their eye. 
So you can go back and forth, but if you really want to actually see results, it really has to have a paid component now in 2020. And if you don't, you're going to have a tough time unless you have a really strong email and really strong, some other campaigns that you're running that can pull them back in the social. That makes sense. That makes sense with how you meant said that, um, it's a lot more busier now. There's a lot more businesses on it. There's a lot more competition. That does make sense. So what is next for you and your company in 2020? That's a great question. You know, I think I've taken, um, it's an interesting time. Like I'd say I took the end of 2018, my business partner going into 2019 was like, I need you to just plan out the next five, six years. Oh, wow. And he's like, you're best when you're just planning out that. And I was like, all right. And I took the time away. Like I, I didn't go into the office as much. I, I didn't spend as much time with the team or with client issues. I just worked on bad rhino stuff. And we plotted out a handful of things. And we also, you know, we put things in here like, well, what if this changes or that changes? Or what if Facebook went away? You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we always think about those things and how you can evolve as an agency. So we put those things in, into place um, at the very beginning of this year. And now like what we're doing is just formulating plans to help our current clients make sure that they're taken care of, which we always do, but we're introducing new ideas. Mm-hmm. So like geofencing's big. Um, some, some of them need web design. Some of them need to change like their sales funnels and some of them need to change some of their ideas on how they're leveraging paid ads. I've been really big on pushing people into podcast advertising and YouTube advertising because I do think some of the eyeballs are there mm-hmm. um, that they need to, or in podcast case, ears, and really starting to create more and more robust things. Digital is becoming a crowded, and it's going to become more crowded. TV mm-hmm. advertising is evolving and changing. Um, you have Netflix type stuff that's coming out. We have on-demand apps on your TV and there's ads in there. So there's a lot of neat things going on and you just have to be ready at how they evolve. I don't think social is going to go away. I just think it's going to change to become more like TV. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could see that happening. So where can people connect with you online? Sure. So first thing is just check out our website. We have a ton of great content in there and case studies if you're looking for anything revolving around digital marketing and social media marketing. And that's badrhinoinc.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's badrhinoinc. So B-A-D-R-H-I-N-O-I-N-C.com. If you're looking to connect with me directly, I do this with every podcast interview that I've been on. It's just info, I-N-F-O at badrhinoinc.com. Just mention that you're on this podcast. Um, My assistant will pull everything together. And I try to answer those questions because I think podcasting and creating content is a great way to connect with people. And I definitely want to be a resource, not just somebody that's popping on people's show all the time. Awesome. I love that. I've had so many people on, I've never had people be like, you know what, you can personally reach out to me. Um, that's awesome. That's huge. So thank yeah, you for been, that. I've been doing interviews for like past four years and um, I'm, I'm shocked at like the depth of the questions I get. And it's also nice. And it's just like, you know, I might not be able to get to you right that second, but give me a a few days or a week or so. And I would definitely try to respond, usually via video and uh, help you out with that question. 
That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for my audience to hear about this because I know it's so needed, I think, during this time. I mean, obviously, anyone who's listening to my podcast, most of them are either new business owners or they're thinking of starting a business. And just with the current times, I think it's definitely on top of people's heads a lot more. So I'm just super excited about the the topics and the answers. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today and I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset Podcast.